Merry Christmas to you. I hope you have a wonderful and joyous Christmas day. And for me, because no one ever gives me any gifts for Christmas, the real gift I get is being with my family, being with my wife and my kids and extended family. And for so many of us, what is so great about today and any other holiday is the chance to be with family. And you may have heard me say a while back that we decided this year we are giving each other no gifts on Christmas at all. And instead, we took the money that would have gone to holiday gifts for Hanukkah or Christmas, and we gave them to foster children. Well, and I guess I should tell you why nobody ever gives me Christmas gifts, because I'm Jewish, so (laughs) all I get to do is eat Chinese food and go to the movies. (laughs) But Merry Christmas to you. Have a great, great Christmas, and Happy New Year to you. So there's an economics term called disintermediation. That's a mouthful, right? And it's about what happened in so many fields. An example, travel agents. I used to own travel agencies. And people would come to us to buy travel because that's how you bought it. You as an individual wanted to go somewhere, fly somewhere, go on a cruise, whatever. The only way you could do it really, was to go to a travel agency and buy it. Well, technology eliminated that need, as so many people felt, and they just booked direct right over the internet. And so the business changed and became much smaller and specialized. And the way we bought things through the years, consumer goods, overwhelmingly has been through a third party, a retailer. Today, we think of online retailers and we think of physical stores. So you got the manufacturer making the goods. They're shipped to the retailer, online or otherwise, who you then buy from with a markup, and then they send the items to you. But we're moving into a new phase with that crazy word I said. And the idea is that you and I are going to be able to buy things from so many companies for less money by cutting the retailer, the merchant, out of the process. And the shot across the bow and something that changed the psychology of so many people was Dollar Shave Club, Harry's, which followed Dollar Shave Club, and Warby Parker. These organizations that went into long-established businesses that had ultra-high markups and said, we're just going to sell direct. And we don't have to have a lot of market share. We can make money just by selling things a little cheaper, not cutting down on the quality, maybe even offering better quality, but by having a direct model, sell them cheaper. Well, now... Venture capital money is following one idea after another after another, attacking long-established industries with models where a company sells direct to you. The hottest right now is the betting business. 
where one direct seller after another after another has gone into the business in a model that was first popularized by Casper. And now I don't even know how many direct sellers there are, and there will be a shakeout. But they manufacture the items. They sell them over the Internet. They have uh, virtually unconditional money-back guarantees for several months. No questions asked. And that is the business model that's coming to more and more areas. You know, it used to be a thought that Amazon, with its strength in online sales, was going to choke off innovation. But it turned out that others could do just fine not having to sell through Amazon or a retail store like Walmart or whoever and reach you directly and sell to you at a deal. I mean, there's even companies selling all kinds of kitchen supplies, selling them at a much cheaper price than you might find buying them from whoever you bought through before as an online seller or a traditional retailer. And you think about any phase of retail where there historically have been not that many competitors and high markups, there's going to be somebody riding into the rescue to save you money. And Charles is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Charles. How are you doing? Just fine, Clark. Uh, Glad to talk to you. Well, you're thinking of getting a new truck. Yes, sir. I found a uh, new-to-me truck that's got a few miles on it. It's a uh, a diesel, 2015, and it's got like 60-something thousand miles on it. But uh, what concerns me is when you do the uh, Carfax, it's had kind of a weird service history, and I was wondering what could you do kind of like a warranty kind of thing, or what could you do short of running off the other direction to uh, protect yourself? Okay, so (laughs) I was going to tell you to run the other direction. So it already has 60,000 miles on it, and it's got service history that looks not so good. No matter how much you love it, I would go love another truck. Okay. Because there there are too many fish in that sea to get something that up front you're like, ooh, how am I going to warrant this? So I don't end up with the problems I'm worried I might have. That's that's what I told your uh, producer that that's what scared me because the uh, dealer was quick to quote me a uh, extended service contract and I like to have a uh, stroke because it was almost five thousand dollars. Wow, wow! On a vehicle that already has sixty thousand miles on, it. that's not your truck. I appreciate There'll it. There'll be another one out there. And by the way, you may yeah, already yeah. be doing this, but have your phone with you in any truck you're considering. Ignore whatever prices any dealer says on them and uh-huh. use your phone to build what seems to be fair market value for it. You can do that at many different apps. You can do on your phone Kelly Blue Book, uh, NADA has one, Edmonds has another. E-D-M-U-N-D-S, because the dealers will say, well, this truck was blah, 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 but now we're discounting at $8,200. And then you look online and you'll see, well, that's still more money than it should be. I see what you're saying. And I would like you to do one other thing. When you really zero in on a truck, make whatever deal you get 
subject to you having it inspected by a mechanic that you choose. Since you want a diesel, you want a good, experienced diesel mechanic to check out that truck. Yes, sir. Well, I hope you find a great one. Michelle is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Michelle. Hi, Clark. Thank you so much for taking my call. Certainly. You want to be a wonderful person to your daughter, don't you? I do. I do. I just want it to be legal, and (laughs) I want it to be uh, above board and in both my daughter's and our interests. So, basically, uh, a few years ago, our daughter took out uh, loans for close to $100,000 for grad school. We weren't in a position at that point to be the bank and give her a loan, but our situation has changed now, and we would be able to refinance her loans at a lower rate, like the minimum applicable federal rate. And I guess my question is, would that be considered a gift and subject to gift tax? It will not, because you said the key part already. If you do a written agreement with her, mm-hmm. and she wipes out the student loan debt, and instead you essentially become her bank, you just write up the loan agreement, you charge her the IRS-required rate of interest, which is extremely low right now. Very low. Okay. And you can do that all day long. There's no gift tax implication. Oh, wow. That's amazing. And even though... So she is on a uh, income-based repayment for the past year. So that wouldn't change anything with that. Doesn't change a thing. You can structure it however you want as long as you charge her an interest rate that is considered to be arm's length and the IRS guideline, you print it out. So if later they said, wait, 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 where'd you come up with that rate? And you say, Uh right here from you guys at the IRS. So here's the downside. Okay. (laughs) You do this out of love for your daughter and there's a point in your life you might depend on this money and she reneges and doesn't pay. What are you going to do? Right. Yeah. She has been like the most totally responsible human being. Uh, so it would be a drastic change to have that change for her. So so you just have to know that, yeah. that that mm-hmm. is the potential downside. That's right. Okay. But everything else, yeah. as long as you can all handle this in the family, everything else is upside. Oh, amazing. Clark, thank you, as always, for being such an incredible resource. Well, you were so kind to say that, and I want to repeat again so that that you acknowledge that you have to have a loan agreement in writing. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and you does can, it have to be um, serviced by a loan servicing company? No, not at all. No. Not at all. Okay. You can just go on the web, find mm-hmm. some form, print out a loan agreement that y'all sign and date, and then she just pays you every month. And as long as she keeps up her part of the bargain everybody wins. Stacy is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Stacy. How are you doing? Hi, Clark. I'm, I'm doing great. How about yourself? Good, thank you. Stacy. Um, you have a really brilliant idea you want to ask me about. I do. Um, first of all, I want to say I love your show and your tips have helped me save lots of money, lots of time. Oh, thank you. Um, you're welcome. No, thank you. I have a new car and I'm on a very limited income monthly month to month and this app that I found is supposed to 
diagnose your car before you take it into a mechanic and it costs a lot to take it into a mechanic to just diagnose your car. So I was wondering if that was for real. Yeah, so are we talking about fixed? Is that yes. the one you looked at? Yes. All right, F-I-X-D it's spelled. So the fixed is a device and it's an app for iPhone or Android, and it plugs into that place underneath your dash where they can do emissions and things like that as well, to an emissions check on your car. And so they're able to look for um, codes of things that your car's computer may say are a problem. And so you're able to, if you take the car in, you're able to say, well, I've got code number whatever, which is so-and-so. My car supposedly is having a problem with, I don't know, the cylinders, or I don't know. I'm, I'm so mechanically dumb, I don't even know how to phrase what I'm trying to say, Stacy. But FIXED allows you to run your own simple diagnostics on your car. You also, I don't know if you knew this, but a lot of the auto parts stores will do that kind of thing for you for free, where you can go to one of them and uh, one of the people behind the counter will come out and plug in to that place under your dash, and they'll be able to tell you the similar kind of stuff. Oh, I didn't know that. So fixed, you pay 60 bucks for the device, and then the app and the use of it is free. Oh, it wouldn't mess up like any of my computer systems? Or Messes up like nothing. That. None of the, It's all set up in your car to be able to read it like that. I remember when I was at CES last year, there was a company showing a technology where they plugged into that port for companies to be able to track how their truck drivers were driving. They could see if they were, you know, delivery drivers, if they were driving too fast and uh, if they were where they said they were and stuff like that. And so that port gives so many pieces of information. With something like Fix, though, you know, it's young in the process and I just have no idea if it's really far enough along that it's time for you to buy one and use it. Okay, so I probably won't do it, but now that I know I can do it probably free at one of the other places. Yeah, if you have an, uh, there are auto parts stores all around, and I don't know if all of them do it today, but it's a common thing. They will run codes for you, and you can try that first. Paul is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Paul. Hi, Clark. How are you? Great, thank you. I've talked Venmo, 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 all the great things about Venmo, and you want to share with me there's a Venmo scam? Yes. Uh, So I'm sort of an occasional user of Venmo. I I use it to split checks at restaurants with friends, that sort of thing. But anyway, last week I got an email or a notification from Venmo that I had received $50, but I didn't recognize the person who had sent it. So immediately, as a kind of skeptical person, I was like, well, this sounds kind of scammy to me. So I Googled it, and actually the first thing I came up with was Venmo's own frequently asked questions. And they said, when this sort of thing happens, to just return the money to the person with a note. And I still was skeptical and said, that sounded fishy. So I Googled around some more, and 
it turns out that scammers are taking advantage of the fact that Venmo really acts more like a check in that it takes several days for the transaction to clear than the sort of instantaneous transfer that you sort of get the idea that it's doing. So I, I looked into it some more, and what happens is it sounds like someone will send you an amount of money, and then they'll ask you, which this person did. I got a message that said, oh, I did this by accident. Would you please send the money back to me? So if you send the money back to them, they will then cancel that transaction. And you're but, out your money, and they're just straight out committing a serious crime. Correct. And it turns out that Venmo won't even notify you that they've canceled the transaction until you go searching for it. So you may not even know it's happening. Well, you know, the number one warning with Venmo is that you use it only as a way to pay money among friends. Absolutely. And And, you uh, can reinforce that 50 times over for your fellow listener. Yeah, absolutely. Everyone out there. So what happened to you eventually? Did, Did these people get your money or no? They did not get my money. In fact, the person who had sent it to me has a public... Venmo profile, which I looked into, and I saw that they had sent this exact same notification to many other Venmo users. Wow, and just trying to score quick cash and disappear. So remember, Venmo is an easy way for you to pay each other to pay among friends, and that's what it should be used for, period. Thank you for the tip. Great to have you here on the Clark Howard Show where you learn ways to keep more of what you make. Here we are closing in on Christmas Day. And one thing that has been true about us as Americans for as far back as I can remember is how phenomenally generous we are to others with our time, with our wallets. And there's been so much fear among charities that because of the new tax law that put in place a very large standard deduction and overall lower tax rates, especially for people at the higher end of the income scale, that people would no longer be motivated to give to charity. And I want to tell you that there may be some of that at the margins, but I believe that most people give from their heart. They're not necessarily thinking about what deduction they're going to get for donating to a charity. And I encourage you to follow our guide at Clark.com to make sure if you are going to give to charities as we close in on Christmas, that you make sure the charity's A-OK. And I've got really easy, quick steps for you to make sure a charity is OK. But if you are a higher income earner, I know there's been a lot of confusion out there that you're not going to be able to benefit from a charitable deduction. And although there were a number of proposals, particularly in the U.S. House, to eliminate all incentive for charitable giving, the final bill that passed and became law did not punish people or take away the benefit for giving to charity. So you can still give to charity and have a deduction. 
and the value of it is based strictly on what your tax bracket is. And so for larger income earners, could be a third of what you're giving or so, you have the deduction. And based on your tax rate, it means that every dollar you give costs you maybe 66 cents, 67 cents. One other thing, you have to have a tax letter now if you give somebody more than $250. You have to have that or the IRS can disallow the deduction. But it is something that I would do just because it's the way I think. I would give to charity even if it didn't have a tax angle. But for me, it does have a tax angle. And so I give a lot of money based on what I can afford at the end of each year so that I'm able to have the benefit from it on my taxes April of next year. Merry Christmas to you and Happy New Year, by the way. Pete's with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Pete. How are you? Hello, Clark. How are you? Great. Thank you. How can I serve you, Pete? I had a question about a product called Alert Life Insurance Retirement Plan. I was wondering if you could um, tell me what your thoughts on it. Is it something that's good? Is it a, kind of a scam? Come on. Well, that term most often is associated with a product called VUL, Variable Universal Life Insurance. And that agents know that so many people are aware about what garbage variable universal life is, that they're not using that term anymore, and they're using new clever marketing terms like insurance retirement plan, or you call this life insurance retirement plan? That's right. All right, so you'll have to check to see if it is what I suspect it is, but variable universal life, universal life, and variable life or what insurance agents have been peddling since the 1980s as a way for people to save for retirement. And these plans are atrocious. They're not just bad. They are horrendous because they have gigantic fees, massive fees in them. And the problem is often they're presented with a what's known as a policy illustration that'll show you you can give them so much money up front and the policy just takes care of itself through the decades and then generates tax-free cash for you when you need it down the road. Now, does that sound kind of like the pitch you got? Yes. Mm -hmm. Okay. So the policy illustration you're shown will say in small type at the bottom... For illustration purposes only. And if you asked instead for an illustration of the guarantee, you would see a completely different projection on what the policy would do and what income it would produce. And in the worst cases, these policies do what they call informally blow up, where the uh, money you paid in up front turns out not to be enough to service the policy and you're hit with a capital call that can be for a tremendous amount of money and if you can't come up with that money could be 5, 10, 15, even 20 years later if you can't come up with that you lose all the money you put into it 
And on top of it, you get hit with an extreme tax bill. I'm explaining it not at all how it was explained to you, aren't I? No, it doesn't sound good at all. But again, I want you to verify that under the sugarcoating of calling it a life insurance retirement plan, that what's behind the curtain is that they were trying to sell you one of the three types I said. Variable universal life, universal life, or variable life insurance. And if it's any of those three, I can tell you automatically, don't pass go. In fact, run the other way. Are you self-employed? No. So are you in a retirement plan where you work like a 401k? Yes. Mm -hmm. And are you doing that to the max? Yes. And are you income eligible for a Roth IRA or are you not eligible? Yes, eligible. And are you fully funding that? Yes. Okay, you're my hero, Pete. Do you know why? Because you're a max saver. I love that. How many years have you been saving like a maniac? <laughs> not, not long enough. Not too many. Well, keep that up. And if you want to put additional money aside, you would be much better served in so many ways if you were to have a variety of broad market index funds as a supplement to what you're saving in the 401k and what you're saving in the Roth IRA. And that would be vastly preferable to you using any kind of insurance product as a way to supplement retirement income or speed up your saving for retirement. The index fund beats an insurance product every single day of the year, even in a leap year, beats it on February 29th as well. Braun is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Braun. Hello, Clark. How's it going? Pretty good. How are you? Good, good. You went through a rough time financially years ago, is that right? Yeah, I ran into some hard times and made some decisions that seemed like good decisions at the time. Maybe they were, maybe they weren't. Ended up filing uh, for bankruptcy in 2012, but by the time it went through, I had gotten married, and I was thinking I was going to be able to file Chapter 7. Ended up having to file Chapter 13 because of the amount of income that my now ex-wife uh, makes. So, make a long story shorter. Wow, you have been through a lot, haven't you? <laughs> that was, that was quite, quite a narrative you said in those 30 seconds. How are you doing I, now? I'm on track right now. Good, good. Um, it's just frustrating having poor credit from all of that. And with the end in sight for this Chapter 13 bankruptcy payment plan, I'm just seeking any advice that you could give on how I can begin to improve at this point or if I need to wait for this thing to fully dissolve and then move forward. Do you know there. what your credit score is right now? I checked this morning with the two that are reported on Credit Karma, and I'm looking at 574 on one of them and 594 on the other. Okay, so if that's where you are, you're um, in the upper 500s, then you're going to be in a situation where you're going to have to do 
some form of secured card to rebuild your credit standing. Okay. And I don't often talk about the secured card market because a lot of the people in it are sleazoids. But yeah. with a as close as we can get to a legitimate secured card, you'll post a deposit of an amount of money, and that will control your initial charge limit on a Visa or MasterCard. And then if you pay on time every month with a legit secured card after either 12 or 18 months and you want up front what their policy is, you graduate to a completely regular Visa or MasterCard. Okay. Now, some of the problems with these is they have an application fee typically, and I hate that. You want no application fee higher than $50 and an annual fee no higher than $25 because they'll carry an annual fee as well. Which you think okay. about what they're doing, they have zero risk. I mean, you're having to put money on deposit, and so they can't lose any money. And so they're taking advantage of that 500-something credit score. Right. Now, is this something that I can do right now, or do I need to wait until my payment plan is complete? I would prefer that you wait till your payment plan is complete. Okay. And you may see within 30 days of that that your credit karma score steps up nicely. Okay. And if it does, then you would be potentially able to do something much better, which would be one of the fresh start programs at a credit union. Credit union programs, you know, because credit unions are co-ops owned by their members, their reestablishment programs are much more customer friendly. And there won't be any application fee, there won't be any terrible junk fees or anything like that with one of the fresh start programs. Not every credit union offers a fresh start program, but they became very common last decade because we had such a large number of people who either had a foreclosure or had, fell behind financially because of job loss or had debts charged off, or filed for bankruptcy. And so in order to help people reconnect to the credit system, a lot of credit unions established these fresh start programs. And some use their own cutesy name for it. Others um, just go by fresh start. And again, I should reemphasize, not every credit union offers one of these programs. But after November, and congratulations to you for getting through your Chapter 13 as scheduled, that's when you deserve the chance to get a fresh start. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Hey, listeners, whether you love true crime or comedies, celebrity interviews, news, or even motivational speakers, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue, right? And guess what? Now you can call the shots on your auto insurance, too. Enter the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. The Name Your Price tool puts you in charge of your auto insurance by working just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance. Then they'll show you a variety of coverages that fit within your budget giving you options. Now, that's something you'll want to press play on. It's easy to start a quote, and you'll be able to choose the best option for you, fast. It's just one of the many ways you can save with Progressive Insurance. 
Quote today at Progressive.com to try the Name Your Price tool for yourself and join over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Stan is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Stan. Hey, Clark, how are you? Great, thank you, Stan. Well, I got a little problem. My homeowner's insurance company has raised my rates on my earthquake coverage the past four years. On average, that rate increase has been about 29%. Per year? Uh, per year on the earthquake coverage. Wow. And your overall homeowner's insurance uh, it's net of the earthquake, is it up about 8% a year over the last four or five? Correct, yes. Somewhere in that neighborhood. That's about what the average has been around the country. But the earthquake thing, that's interesting to me. So do yeah. you live along the San Andreas Fault in California? I mean, what's your... No, we live in Kentucky. Kentucky? We live what they call the New Madrid fault zone. But we're actually in a moderate zone. We're not close to the, really that close to the fault line, which is out towards New Madrid, Missouri. We're in more of a central Kentucky area, in the Lexington, Kentucky area. And what kind of premium are they quoting you for earthquake insurance? Well, last year it was, we paid close to $500 and coverage for last year. Last week, we received a notice in the mail that they were no longer providing earthquake coverage through our company. Oh, company. I know what's happening. They're assigning you to a, a, a high-risk company, a non-standard company, somebody you've never heard of company, right? Through a third party, yes, yeah. correct. I've never heard of them, but they yeah. say they're the specialist, and uh, they quoted me for this year is $630. So the me. problem when they put you with the UFO companies is if there was a major earthquake, the question always is, could they afford to pay the claims anyway? Exactly. Is there anything going on to make the coverage rates go up? Insurers are in a different business than they used to be. They are in the risk management business instead of the traditional homeowner's insurance business. You know, you think about all the things that now are excluded, floods, uh, a lot of companies don't want to take on hurricane risk at the coast, or they charge a much higher deductible if it's a named storm. The earthquake thing being cut out of it, uh, insurers not wanting anything to do with mold. I mean, there's less and less that your traditional homeowner's policy is covering. So if you live in an area with an enhanced risk for one of the things that you have to buy a specialty policy for, that specialty policy can be quite pricey. And so you face a dilemma, and that is none of us can, with certainty, figure out our level of risk. So a certain amount of educated guesswork is involved. So in a case where the chance of a catastrophic earthquake destroying your home being a remote possibility, you might choose to go without. Correct. <laughs> and, and so that would, so that would be years, a very a, well, reasonable potential choice for you to make, particularly with you being in an area that's not as at as much risk. Now, do you have a mortgage on your home or do you own it free and clear? I have a mortgage, but earthquake insurance, earthquake coverage is not required in where I live. Then, then I would say, again, it's your choice, but particularly with it now being some UFO company, that would be writing the now more expensive policy, I would strongly consider going without. 
Okay. Well, I was just curious because, like you said, if there is an earthquake, I don't... <laughs> right. You have no coverage. And so that's why everything about life is balancing the likelihood of something happening. And in this case, with how expensive it's become year after year, if it was still the insurer you knew and trusted, you might open up the wallet. Not as good a case for that with whoever they now have sent you to that somebody who who knows who's behind it, what backing there is, or anything like that. You're listening to The Clark Howard Show. Thanks for joining us today. The Clark Howard Show is produced by Kim Drobes, Joel Larsgaard, Deborah Reese, and Jim Ayers. And remember, 24 hours a day, we're there to serve you at Clark.com and ClarkDeals.com.